Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Happy pre-flight time. It's pre-flight time again. Uh, today we are talking about... I always forget to look what number nine-ish. I feel like it's in the this top one, ten. Uh, Eight, I, maybe? I'm pretty sure that Mononoke was in the top ten. Yeah, I think... I'm going to go with eight. Yeah. The number eight movie on paste animes, top 100 anime movies uh, of all time, Princess Mononoke. And then some of our favorite movies about nature, mm-hmm. both person versus nature and also damn that shit looks cool nature movies uh and then we got a bunch of topicals we're going to talk about our new expanded lineup uh for seven hours uh we're not going to talk about it for seven hours but our lineup is that would be so settle in this is the ultimate (laughs) pre-flight-a-thon we're uh having a a stump speech to try to talk we're gonna yeah we're gonna just talk it out um, a filibuster. Why don't we talk about Princess Mononoke? Yeah, hey, that's a good idea. Prin- <laughs> so Princess Mononoke uh, was released in... 97. 97 in the U.S.? In Japan. In Japan. And it came to U.S. Like a year later. A year later. Miramax, you may recall, uh, the now defunct company run by Harvey Weinstein. Go fuck um, yourself, Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Miramax picked it up, and in typical Miramax fashion, they uh, wanted to take a very strong hand in the dub adaptation. But Miyazaki's contract was pretty ironclad about what he wouldn't let them, wouldn't let them do. So they got Neil Gaiman to adapt the um, Japanese script and hired a bunch of pretty famous at the time. Um, and still, I guess, yeah, famous actors, um, which is what Disney's always done. And Miramax just sort of stepped that up a little. But then curiously, when the movie came out, they didn't really market it and just sort of dumped it in theaters. Like, I don't understand. But Miramax did shit like that all the time. Spend a ton of money to get a movie made. And then not one of the Weinsteins wouldn't like the final product as much as they thought they would. And then they're just like, yeah, fuck it. And they just didn't. Yeah. So it didn't do that well in the U.S. It was kind of a flop. I mean, I think... Um, it was a huge hit in Japan and around the world. It was the at the time the highest grossing anime film up until that point, and I think that they thought it would do better over here, um, and it didn't do that well because anime films generally don't they're not blockbusters yeah. in the U.S. Um, and then it sort of got a second life on home video. It, it was even three years or four years later, it was one of the best selling. Um, home video releases uh, in the in the category. So it certainly has stood the test of time, and it's something that I think many anime fans would say is a great movie, whether or not they say it's one of their favorites. Um, it's certainly one of... It's probably Princess Mononoke or Spirited Away that most people bring up when they say, my favorite Miyazaki film is... Yeah. And almost everyone will pick one of those two. Um, not me. 
Right. But almost everyone will. Pick I do think it's too. mine. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, but. Not committing to anything. <laughs> uh, we. So Miyazaki, it was one of his last. You and Miyazaki. It was one of his last almost entirely hand drawn. Um, films. It was there was a little bit of computer assisted imagery, but it was almost entirely hand drawn. And he had been working on the idea since like '94, but he couldn't crack it because there were too many similarities to sort of obviously things he had already explored in Nausicaa and yeah. Totoro. And so he was trying to figure out how to approach this a little differently. And he sort of had writer's block and he went and did this music video which we've shown on here before yeah. and doing that video sort of gave him a little bit of a recharge and then he was able to come back to this so um i read that he personally looked at every cell and then made comments on every cell and That's he personally redrew eighty thousand cells that's what it takes to be miyazaki yeah so uh, my um, work ethic is slightly below that sure well I looked at the spreadsheet for pre-flight, though. Yeah, I don't think... It's mostly correct. I don't think that's in question. Your work ethic is definitely not what you mean. Not, not in question? Yeah. Nice. No, it's not Thank in question. You. It's terrible. Um, so, uh, but for now, let's, so uh, we have a history with, with Princess Mononoke in that uh, Turner Classic Movies got the rights to show some Miyazaki films uh, many years back, what, 2004 or three? Three, I think. And we said to them, why don't you give us four of those and we'll do a month of Miyazaki movies. And Princess Monoke was one of the ones that was actually the most difficult to get because it was considered a good fit for Toonami. But Toonami was a kid's block at the time. And Princess Mononoke is pretty violent. Um, it wasn't rated R, but I think it was PG-13, so that's TV-14. Um, and Miyazaki's contract said you can't edit the movie at all. So we had to sort of convince our bosses that, you know, there are arms getting cut off and stuff like that, but it's still fine. Perfect for after school. Yeah, it's still fine to show. 2006. <laughs> right, 2006. So they agreed, and we got to show Princess Mononoke along with three other Miyazaki films. So here here is our original trailer that Gil wrote. Uh, I think I took a little crack at it, but you mostly wrote it. And then it was edited by a guy who no longer works at Toonami. Um, but he did a great job with this promo. Let's check it out. Long ago, the land lay covered in forests. This place is magical. Back then, gods and demons walked among us. And man and beast lived in harmony. But now mankind's greed and hatred have angered the spirits of the forest. It's some kind of demon! Once benevolent gods have become wrathful and destructive. <laughs> Prince Ashitaka has been driven from his home by this evil. He's obviously an outsider. Now he must slow this hatred while battling the demon within. It's eating me alive and very soon now it will kill me! The only ones who can help him are two women sworn to kill each other. No. That woman is evil. Open fire! What I want is for the humans of the forest to live in peace! Princess Mononoke, Saturday night at 7.30. This is unbelievable. Part of a month of Miyazaki. See with eyes unclouded by hate. Only Toonami on Cartoon Network. So the, the literal translation of Mononoke is like beast, a supernatural monster. And evidently Miyazaki couldn't decide if he wanted to call the, the movie... 
the Ashitaka, the tale of Ashitaka, right. who is the, the one of the main characters, uh, and Suzuki, the producer, a longtime uh, Miyazaki producer, wanted to go with Princess Mononoke, uh, and they never really agreed. But Suzuki won, which I think was, I think smart. I think Princess Mononoke is a way cooler title than the tale, the tale. of Ashitaka. I mean, yeah. Tale of Ashitaka makes more sense. But. Yeah, it, Ashitaka's character is the through line. So, the very broad strokes of the plot are basically that uh, Ashitaka at the beginning of the film is attacked by a, a, a vengeful boar god uh, who lives in the woods, who has been turned into this evil beast. Uh, he got shot by a human, and the bullet lodged in his skin and basically corrupted and made him furious. So he turned into this wrathful god. He bites the main character, Ashitaka, and so that corruption enters his body, and his village basically tells him, you have to leave. Yeah, thanks but for saving us. No, they the tell him out. that there's a possible cure, but he's going to have to go into the forest where this creature came from. So in his on his journey there... He comes to this town uh, run by Lady Iboshi, who is basically, it's a mill town, and she is basically clear-cutting the forest. So, I mean, it's very similar to Lord of the Rings when Saruman yeah. has the orcs cutting down the trees. And the forest and the the living gods that live in the forest are angry at what Lady Iboshi and her village of outcasts are doing. So it's basically... Ashitaka and then Princess Mononoke has been raised with the wolf gods and she her name is San and she obviously hates the humans and wants to get rid of them so Ashitaka ends up being kind of a bridge between the humans and the and Princess Mononoke who he falls in love with uh, and the whole story is basically the story of nature rising up against man's self-destructiveness and it's a it's a typical Miyazaki movie in that even Lady Eboshi, who's sort of the bad guy, isn't really bad. She's just sort of misguided. And by the end of the movie, she still she sort of has seen the error of her ways, but only after she cuts off a god's head, yeah, <laughs> and kills him Oopsie. and almost destroys everything. But uh, the people of the mill town aren't aren't seen as evil. They're just humans. They're just like yeah, and they're, they're humans, all so that means society's that, outcasts. Yeah, so they're, they're lepers and like you know, the, they're they're the castaways. So they're like, look, we have a right to build a life for ourselves. And so it 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 is looking with judgment on people and what we do to nature, but it isn't sort of being judgmental of humanity. Like as a whole, it's like we do these fucked up things because we're human, but it's not like humans are the worst. It's yeah. right up to the edge of that, but it's not quite there. Uh, I think Miyazaki resists like broad Full statements on. like that. Um, so uh, if you want to know the plot, but you don't want to watch the whole movie, I found this wonderful 8-bit cinema version of the movie, which gives you the whole story in three minutes in a delightfully told 8-bit cinema style. So why don't we check that out? Because I think it's worth watching.
Brothers. Yeah, well done, Dead and Brothers. Yeah, that's a cute I would def little, play that game. I would play that game for sure. Um, and then uh, we have one more clip we can talk about. Uh, let's watch it and then we'll, we'll discuss. Stay your hand. The girl's life is now mine. I'm sure she'll make a lovely wife for you. There's a demon inside of you. It's inside both of you. Look, everyone! This is what hatred looks like. This is what it does when it catches hold of you. It's eating me alive, and very soon now it will kill me. Fear and anger only make it grow faster. I'm getting a little bored of this curse of yours, Ashitaka. Let me just cut the damn thing. Someone come here and take her from me. Milady! Don't worry, she's just stunned. She'll be all right. As for me, I'm leaving, and I'm taking the wolf girl. So that's just to illustrate that you can see Lady Eboshi's people care about her, that she's like, 
you know. Oh. <laughs> ah, ah, the the streaming goodness where the fucking password has to come on screen while we're doing the show. We have not yet been able to figure out how to keep that from happening with all of our technical know-how. Yeah, just, yeah, keep going. Might as well. Yeah, check out your battery. Do you have enough um, battery power? Is everything good? Yeah. No. It would be great if one of us would figure that out one day. But um, So anyway, what I was saying before... Sure. Well, I don't know. Who cares? Just keep going. We know they... they our, our uh, technical director, which is, I guess, what you would call Justin, uh, not very technical director, asked us to just start over, and we just said, "Now nah, we'll keep it. Fuck it. Fuck we'll it. Do we'll it do it live. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Um, but you can see the Lady Eboshi takes care of the... She's the savior of all of us. Yeah, like she's yeah. a good person as far as they're concerned. Yeah. So it's not as... they care about the four spirit. It's not as simple as, you know, um, the black and white sort of, when you read the broad strokes of the story, what you might think. But Princess Mononoke, a good, uh, a darker example of sort of Miyazaki's ongoing fascination with... Uh, what humanity, what humanity does to nature and how we don't appreciate it enough and how he firmly believes if we all would just work harder to live in harmony with nature that we would all be happier. He uh, might be on something. So with that as our theme, we decided to talk about some of our favorite films about nature. Um, and I did if, nurture movies. I misunderstood. <laughs> and of course, uh, as Gil alluded to, uh, that can mean a film about the beauty of nature, a film about the uh, ferocity of nature, or the uh, uncaring, you know, uh, enormity of nature, or a man, a movie about man contending with nature, whether that would be. Uh, being inspired by it or trying to dominate it and failing or whatever. So uh, we kept it as broad as we could. I picked all three Planet of the Apes movies. Cool. (laughs) Uh, So my first pick, uh, this could have easily just been Tree of Life again, but we just talked about that movie. So uh, I decided to pick, uh, obviously, along with Miyazaki, Terrence Malick, uh, the director, he also has an ongoing theme in his work of mankind um, turning away from nature and how that's usually at the source of most of our biggest problems uh, that we refuse to live in harmony with the world Um, and it's something that's been on his mind as a filmmaker since the beginning of his career but I think the best example of that thesis at work is his movie The New World uh, which came out uh, 2005 and it um it's basically the story of Pocahontas, um, but retold in a much more realistic way, or not necessarily realistic, but in a way that doesn't do what every other version of the story of Pocahontas did, which is basically uh, normally the Pocahontas story is like, oh, she, you know, helped feed the settlers and then they taught them, you know, how to die technology and then she came over to England and what a crazy life. And this shows how basically how how none of these settlers would have survived at all without the native cultures that existed there and that they totally expected to come in and dominate the landscape because that was just as uh, European settlers that was what they were expected and what they were used to and like they had no concept of how Native Americans lived at the time 
of just living in harmony with nature. They they only understood how to like dominate and tear the trees down and build a fort and start burning stuff. And that and hasn't really changed. <laughs> not much. So Colin Farrell plays uh, Captain John Smith and Christian Bale plays, I can't remember the name of his character, but these are the two sort of opposing forces in Pocahontas's life. And uh, she falls in love with John Smith, uh, but it's pretty much a doomed romance and they both know it. And she ends up going to England with Christian Bale's character and basically feels like she made a mistake turning away from her people um so it's sort of a tragedy but it also is like especially the long cut which you can get on criterion it's like three and a half hours long but uh it is one of the most beautiful movies ever made and malik really worked hard to show just how gorgeous the idea of like what an eden um the united states was before we genocided Native American people and destroyed it all. Um, so this is the first scene where John Smith and uh, Pocahontas meet each other. Uh, and it, if you like the vibe of this scene, imagine this for three and a half hours. And this is the mind state the movie puts you in. I really love it. It's one of my favorite movies. So let's check it out. Might we uh, be going out to poke about, sir? We are not here to pillage and raid. We are here to establish a colony. How many lands behind me? Oh, do you know, Blake? Not six months from now when the snows begin to fire. How many seas? What blows and dangers?
Casinos. So it's a lot like that. Yeah. Um, pretty great if you have an interest. Uh, pretty epic scene. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, next up for me is a movie I've loved since I was a kid. I used to watch it with my family, and it's a weirdly unheralded movie, but it's uh, the director, Carol Ballad, also did The Black Stallion, like an, an amazing director. Uh, and that is uh, Never Cry Wolf, based on the Farley Moat novel of the same name, which is also a great book. Um, so Never Cry Wolf is about a researcher in, I think it's the 20s or 30s. I think it's later than that. Uh, it's hard to say. I don't, I mean, uh, I'll look it up while we're looking at the clip. Um, but he basically is sent to study wolves, um, and pack behavior. Uh, and he spends the movie doing that and it's mostly and it's about yeah you're right it's it's like the 70s yeah and and he spends the movie doing that and he learns a lot about wolves that nobody ever understood before it's got a lot of amazing footage of actual wolves and wolf colonies um or packs whatever the hell they call them (laughs) i learned a lot um some gorgeous footage and uh charles martin smith uh is the main character and brian dennehy is uh, a secondary character and it's just sort of about uh how little we actually know about uh wolves and about one man's journey from being a sort of cloistered intellectual to somebody that can live out in nature in harmony um so that theme again there's not a lot of great scenes from this movie on youtube so i did my best this is actually towards the end of the film where uh i won't spoil it but some sad stuff has happened and so our main character is playing he brought his i think it's an oboe um, because he stupidly thought that that would be a good thing to have on this journey. So he was playing it, hoping to hear the wolves answer him back, which they have done in the movie. Um, so this is that scene.
The pack returned for the cubs, as there are no orphans among the wolves. And eventually the losses of that autumn became a distant memory. That's me every spring. Eventually, the losses of that autumn became a distant memory. Yeah, that movie and the black hole were on Disney Channel all the time. All the fucking time. When we yeah. were kids. Um, that's a TV station, kids. That's what you watch uh, when you don't have access to the internet and can't watch a streaming service. Friday um, nights. Yeah, Friday nights. That was so, uh, so my final film is... Um, it's It's kind of fallen out of favor but it was something very much talked about in the 90s and in the 80s it's a movie called Koyaanisqatsi which is a documentary film without a narrator and without uh, a plot line really that basically contrasts the beauty and gorgeousness of nature with mankind and it basically it shows you just through the use of like footage of Mountains, and then it cuts to footage of people on a street in in time lapse, like just really well shot, beautiful footage of um, people doing things and or nature stuff, and just shows how far away from the beauty of nature we've gotten. Um, the Koyaanisqatsi is a word that means life out of balance, uh, and then the score is really well known. Philip Glass did the score, and it's a very elegiac, like sad. Uh, it's a really good movie. It's not one you're going to throw on all the time, you know. Um, yeah. If you like the Adult Swim IDs that yeah, are hidden, then pretty much. You should check out. The yeah. Or if you like Off the Air, I would say yeah. there's you know there's a similarity. Uh, I think it's well worth watching. It did well enough that they made two sequels, Pawakatsi, and I can't remember the other one. And it's just basically more and more depressing as things get worse. But it's a really amazingly shot and edited movie like it's totally gorgeous and well worth watching if you're in the mood for a sort of lean back experience so here's a i think it's a it's a, it's the trailer for the criterion edition of koyana scotsi critics around the world have called it a remarkable film event a breathtaking experience, a fusion of image and sound.
Until now, you've never really seen the world you live in. So in the days before, in the days before they had Planet Earth documentaries left and right and, you know, HD cameras that could get anywhere, that was a big deal. Now I think... Yeah, the, everyone I think, was stuck and, in those cities yeah. watching those <laughs> shitty yeah, TVs. I think, I think Planet Earth and that style of documentary has sort of taken over from that because they're more positive. They pretty much don't ever talk about, like, these aren't around anymore, yeah. these bears. They're all dead now, you know. <laughs> you but, killed them. Yeah, you just get to see the... With beautiful your nature fucking footage. Snickers bars. Um, so those are three of my favorite picks. Well done. Uh, up first for me is 2016 James Gray's The Lost City of Z with yes. heartthrob Charlie Hunnam as Percy Fawcett. Uh, and he plays an explorer uh, who is originally... He's, he's trying to regain his sort of family name uh, after a snubbing. And so he is sort of tasked slash... Thanks for volunteering. Here's your mission yeah. uh, to go map the border of Bolivia and Brazil, um, which was not just look on your phone at Google Earth and zoom in. Yeah. was go live in the Amazon for a couple of years and uh, take surveys. And this becomes his uh, lifelong obsession. And he, the movie sort of shows him going, he's always trying to get back and figure out where it is and originally it's presented to him that there's this lost civilization that were this really advanced technology for the time and this advanced civilization was living in the Amazon jungle in the rainforest and the idea is laughed at in Britain at the time because that's where the savages live nobody yeah, could have right. any sort of advanced uh, civilization he doesn't believe in the beginning either and then he finds this uh, these pottery relics and starts to become obsessed so he's constantly Going back to England, going back to the uh, Amazon, barely surviving, going back, and it's it's really just the call of the wild is what keeps bringing him back. Um, and then in the end, won't totally spoil it for you, but some other shit happens. Um, Aliens come. <laughs> then it's the predator. <laughs> then, he, then he ends up hunting the predator with the help of these gentlemen. And, yeah. You know. Um, this is relatively late in the movie, uh, and it doesn't go super great. We'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Uh, let's check out the trailer uh, for The Lost City of Z. To dream, to seek the unknown, to look for what is beautiful is its own reward. A man's reach should exceed his grasp. Or what's a heaven for? You are the explorer? Give me a hand. I wish to find a lost city. What you seek is far greater than you ever imagined. It is your destiny. I'll not know you when you return. I know this is a sacrifice for all of us. The environment's brutally difficult. The journey may well mean your life, but you could reclaim your family name. Ain't nobody comes back from up there. But we have never let fear determine our future. What did you hope to achieve out here? If we may find a hidden civilization where one was considered impossible to exist, we may chapter in history I call it set 
It is there! And we must find it! Um, I do think that movie would have done better if they called it The Lost City of Zed because so many people thought it was about zombies. And Yeah, I I think that, I mean, I don't blame him for cutting that trailer that way, but the, it, it kind of misrepresents the movie a little just because it tries to make it more like an action adventure. Yeah. And it's a very slow, contemplative, burn. and it's long. It's yeah. like two hours and 40 minutes. Uh, I loved it, though. I think it's a great movie. And the real dude was, the movie portrays him as like, Less of a racist than he was, well, almost yeah, not yeah. racist. Yeah, he was the real guy. Was a forward thinker. He was just slightly still less a white racist. man in the. He was slightly less racist. Early twentieth century. Still, so. he was still a racist, but he wasn't like yeah. ridiculously racist. So, by the standards of the time, sure. Right. Um, the movie got in a little bit of hot water because people said they whitewashed him. Literally. Yeah. Um, I think that's maybe a stretch, but it's a great movie, and if you like James Gray. You know, you really can't go wrong. Or Charlie Hunnam, bless his heart. Uh, yeah, he's fine. He doesn't embarrass himself. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much every role. It's like, yeah, you're fine. No, nah, he, yeah, he's fine. I think this is the first time you really got a crack at working with a real, like, you know, at a story that might be something more yeah. than pop entertainment, which I think is what he... You're talking about King Arthur now? It's been his lane. <laughs> uh... uh- <laughs> Next up is March of the Penguins, the 2005 Luc Jacquet uh, documentary about the fucking adorable Emperor Penguins. Uh, did you fall in love with the Emperor Penguins when you saw this movie? And I watched the movie. I, watched, a little bit? Uh, I, I like the movie. Did you but shed a single tear? This was like a huge story the year yeah. this movie came out. Fucking everybody, every mom, grandpa, like every motherfucker on the in. The world saw this fucking movie. Yep. And Morgan Freeman's narration cemented his it, legacy like, of all time. It, it like set the st- it it actually did kind of set the stage for the planet yeah. Earth stuff because it's the it same vibe. Like, People were like, "Holy oh, shit, nature can be fun and exciting, and we don't have to talk about how all these penguins are going to die." And so, right, uh, all of these penguins are now dead. By the way, yeah, no, I didn't fall in love with the penguins. I like the movie though. Cuddly little emperor penguins. Yeah, no, I don't think of them as cuddly. So hold, when they sit on the nest and freeze and ask cold? Yeah, sorry. Everybody loves to anthropomorphize penguins. They're just stupid fucking birds. Sorry. So not quite everybody. Everybody <laughs> minus one. Uh, let's check out the trailer of these uh, sweet ass fucking birds. <laughs> There is a mysterious ritual that dates back thousands of years. No living creature has survived it, except the penguin. They have wings, but cannot fly. They're birds that think they're fish. And every year, they embark on a nearly impossible journey to find a mate. For 20 days and 20 nights, the Emperor Penguin will march to a place so extreme it supports no other life. 
harshest place on earth, love finds a way. This is the incredible true story of a family's journey to bring life into the world. March of the Penguins. They even had the sparkly chimes over it. Jason, I don't know if you know, but they mate for life. Yeah, uh, I think walking on the. I think George Miller probably watched this and was like, oh, "I can totally make a CG penguin. I'm going to write some Happy Feet movies and get cold fucking paid." Yeah, you just are listening to the Road Warrior soundtrack, watching <laughs> March of the Penguins, and figuring just out having you. Morgan Freeman narrate. Yeah, it's it's really close to him sounding super over it too. March of the March Penguins. March of the Penguins. I mean, it's just about... Morgan Freeman's whole deal is is taking the proper time to discuss anything important. And that's... You go, oh, holy shit. shit. Oh, shit. We better pay attention. Honey, get in here. Hold on. Morgan Freeman's talking. Uh, last for me is a movie that my uncle tried to introduce to me when I was a young lad. Uh, my Way brother and I... too slow for a... But... He mistakenly left the wrong VHS tape. He was describing Jeremiah Johnson and left us the first Rambo movie. Fuck yeah, that's a great fucking we were mistake. Like, Jeremiah Johnson fucking <laughs> rules. Uh, the actual Jeremiah Johnson movie. Did you watch the whole movie? You watched First Blood? Yeah. And he was out of the room? Like he, he, was, never... he just came into town and he was like, oh, check here, this check this out. And it was not, like, I don't know, if, I can't remember if he, like, mixed up the in the wrong box or whatever it was. And when were you guys, when were you guys like, ah, uh, this doesn't look like. And we were like, this isn't what he'd explained, but this is way better. <laughs> um, I think I probably saw the actual Jeremiah Johnson movie, like, 15 years after that. Maybe not that long, but a while. The actual Jeremiah Johnson movie is Sidney Pollack's uh, Western Frontier Beardo Man in the Mountains movie. Um, well, let's just watch this scene. This does a better job of explaining what the movie is. <laughs> One of the greatest gifts. Whoever the person is who thought, I'm going to use this as a reaction gift, that was a smart person. Um, this is actually the clip that will do a better job of explaining Jeremiah Johnson.
That's fucking stupid. <laughs> so, Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, Says a lot about nature. <laughs> and whatever that grizzly hunter guy's name is. Mm. Oh, hunt the Grizz! Yep. Um, let's check out Adult Swim Facebook's favorite movies about nature. Princess Mark Pominoki, Sharknado, okay. Fern Gully, Ace Ventura, and Into the Wild. Um, there's only one good movie on that list. Uh, Fern Gully? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Adult Swim um, half jokes. Yeah. What's, uh, I do think Fern Gully was a legit choice by the adults. Yeah, well, sure. Bec- yeah, I'm sure by Just un- an unfortunate. Yeah, one. by children. Uh, so let's check out Tsunami Facebook's picks, which Ace are calls, get off our lawn with Twister. Jesus H Christ. Uh, we've got two Miyazakis, and that outweighs the rest of the garbage. Uh, Still, Toonami did better than Adult Swim Facebook by one movie. By 20%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so As always, thanks for commenting and letting us know how you feel. <laughs> uh, so we can make fun of you. So this coming Saturday night is The Big Expanse. No, not the TV we'll show. The, not, the, not the TV not show. Not The, the Expanse. Expanse. Okay, because you confused me for a minute. Well, there's the, the Expansion. The expanse. An expanse is not an adjective. Big is. Huh? Big is an adjective. Yeah, but you didn't say big, did you? Are we going to have to do the same thing as I'm last I'm just time? saying. Pedantic Gill, get it fucking right. I said the big expanse. Expansion, not expanse. No, it's our The big expanse is, the expanse. is, is, a, is right. a thing. Let's check out the My Hero Academia topical. You're stupid uh, about expanse. Time. Here's why. On the next all-new episode of My Hero Academia. So here we are. Now turn around and walk out of bounds like a good little hero. I have my own dreams of becoming a great hero. Loose for me. No, Deku, what are you doing? My body's moving on its own. It's all over. My Hero Academia, Saturday at 9.30. Have you been putting too much pressure on him again? That hurt! Only Toonami on Adult Swim. Sadly, Deku does just walk out, and that's the finale of my the whole show. Yeah. Um, so we will be beginning the block uh, with episode one of Kai, uh, but we didn't make a topical for that because you've it's not you, come here. Yeah, you're, yeah. It, what Jason said, mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we're moving Dragon Ball Super later by one half hour to its original. We're going to go with that Saturday night time of 11 p.m. Uh, the sweet spot of the tsunami night. Uh, so let's check out that topical. The next all-new episode of Dragon Ball Super. Hit me. As soon as you do, you'll understand why I'm called Bergamo the Crusher. He wants to get hit? That's a bad plan when you're up against Goku. <laughs> Dragon Ball Super, Saturday at 11. It's the end of the line, Goku! Only Toonami on Adult Swim. Sounds like it's raining. It might be. Uh, And then Fully Cooly Alternative, 11.30 p.m. Uh, Hopefully you're enjoying... 
this season of Fully Cool. Seems like people are enjoying it. We've gotten a lot of positive reactions, so I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, and here's a spot. Medical Mechanica won't stay silent any longer. Really? Just gotta add your two cents in, huh? Well, doesn't matter. I'm still gonna do things my way. Bye-bye. And then finally, uh, Attack on Titan is at midnight. Uh, and here's that spot for episode six, which we got in just in the nick of time. On the next all new episode of Attack on Titan. What is this? Who are they? These aren't things I've seen. Whose memories are these? The key. All new episode of Attack on Titan, Saturday at midnight, only Toonami on Adult Swim. Cool. And then finally, finally, uh, our new lineup promo explaining just where and when the big expanse each show will be running on the big expanse. Uh, so let's check it out. Do you feel any different? Oh, yeah. I'm feeling prime. That's right. Toonami's taking over prime time, baby. And so we're moving some shows around. Because the seven-hour challenge must be done just right. We're starting off the night by restarting Dragon Ball Kai at 9. Followed by My Hero Academia at 9.30. Shippuden is holding tight at 10. And we're happy to bring Boruto into the fold at 10.30. Dragon Ball Super pushes back a half hour to 11. Fully Cooly Alternative stays in premieres at 11.30. Attack on Titan shifts the battle lines to midnight. Diamond is unbreakable, moves up to 12.30. And Black Clover beats down at 1. Hunter Hunter goes nuts at 1.30. Then One Punch Man throws hands at 2. Lupin the Third now steals the show at 2.30. Cowboy Bebop rules the night at 3. And we finish the night out with Samurai Jack at 3.30. Tsunami is expanding your night. Saturday night from 9 to 4. Who loves you? Nice. Did you do that spot? I wrote it. Great job. Thanks, buddy. Uh, and now it's time for Jason to tell you about this week's Adult new Swim adult swim single. single. Yes. Um, so we have, uh, we're going to do two weeks worth of singles um, because I have them listed here. So I guess we're going to do two. First up is Monopoly Art by Chad Van Galen. You may know Chad. Uh, he is, we've premiered music videos of his on Adult Swim before and Tsunami. He does a lot of stuff for, um, he's done stuff for Off the Air and he does a lot of stuff for Dreamcore. He scores Dreamcore LLC, our uh, show, and he also does animation. So he's sort of multi talented polymath um so when and he's also going to be playing at our festival so we thought well we should have him do a single since we're doing all this other stuff get your tickets so, at adultswimfestival.com so chad broke us off uh, a new jam that we premiered on monday so let's check out a sample of monopoly arp to Chad, we also have been doing a lot of work with IDK, uh, who is a terrific rapper, 
uh, up-and-coming youngster that uh, we put out uh, one of his records last year. And we also have done an Adult Swim single with him. He will also be at the Adult Swim Festival, so you're really messing up if you don't go. Uh, that's October 5th through 7th at The Row in L.A. You can get tickets at adultswimfestival.com, um, where you can see uh, IDK and Chad Van Galen, along with Rick and Morty, Musical Rick Experience, Run the Jewels, Mastodon, and a whole bunch of other artists. I think it'll be a good time, along with a bunch of comedians, too, by the way. Um, and us. And, yeah, we'll be there. Um I will personally, if you come and buy tickets I, and come up to me, I will punch Gil in the face if you ask for me. every ticket sold. For every ticket sold, one punch in the face. Um, so, but let's listen to the new track from IDK featuring Q the Fool, uh, Electric. Goat Nefertiti on my neck. Niggas see me charge, come and check it. Jumped out screaming, it's electric. Jumped out screaming, it's electric. Some niggas wanna fight, this ain't tech. Some niggas wanna slide, like they slap. Jumped out screaming, it's electric. Jumped out screaming, it's electric. I think IDK is going to blow up. He's very talented. Uh, that wraps it up for this week. We'll be back next week with, I don't even know what we're talking about, some shit. Indeed. We'll see you then. Bye. Tsunami every Saturday night from 10.30 p.m. to 4 a.m.